You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Valleys. You've faced a valley. Anybody going through a valley right now? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of us face valleys in our life, or we face valleys. I want to tell you about Elijah's valley. Um, And so I want to unpack a little bit of history here, because there's a there's kind of a broad storyline that takes place. Um, so follow me. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, have three kings to start out. They had Saul, then they had King David, then they had David's son, Solomon. Now, when Solomon, after Solomon was king, the, the nation, the people of Israel, split into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern, southern kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom for 200 years after Solomon had a series of eight, uh, 19 kings. And each and every one, you can read this in the, in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, you can read about how these kings did. Like they were, the, the, the writer of kings assesses um, the strength, their leadership capability. And I'm telling you, they went 0 for 19. Like they didn't have one good king. It was just poor king after poor king that led the people astray, God called them as a people, as the the people of Israel, God called them to be distinct and unique from the cultures that they were surrounded by. But through through the course of time, kings would kind of integrate practices and even worship practices from from other cultures. Now, the worst king of all was King Ahab. Can you say Ahab? This is what it says about Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Any of the kings that came before him, he was the worst. And he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him. Now, Ahab reigned for 22 years. Now, part of his leadership was he was going to encourage people to, to worship other gods or other idols. And part of that was introducing prostitution and child sacrifice as acts of worship for other gods. Now, if you know the story of Israel, this is a long way from what God had called them to. This made God upset. And Ahab continued to lead in this way. And this is where, this is where God finally does something about it. Now, God could have done a lot of things about it, but he chose to use the person Elijah and, and so Elijah stands up, and he's going to stand up to Ahab. He's a prophet of the Lord, and Ahab is involved in Baal worship, worship of idols, has a lot of prophets of other gods. And so Elijah finally stands up, and this is what he says, 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab. So Elijah says this to Ahab. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is a big deal. This really kind of ticks Ahab off. It's a farming community, an agricultural society. They depend on rain. They depend on dew. Everything seemed seemed to be going well. The economy was flourishing. And then all of a sudden, this, this annoying prophet of the Lord... Elijah stands up and says, hey, there's not going to be any more rain until I say so. Now, God, at this time, God's like, hey, 
you got to actually go to this place, a ravine. He calls them to leave and almost go into hiding because Ahab gets furious and wants to chase him down and kill him. Now, for the course of these three years, Elijah's on the run, and he has to be completely dependent on God for food, for, for relationships, like God provides through a raven, God provides through a widow, and then all of a sudden the widow's son dies, and God works through Elijah to raise this son back to life. Like, it's a crazy story of how God had to be completely, how Elijah had to be completely dependent on God through this season. And finally, when God speaks again, God calls Elijah to confront Ahab one more time. And this is how he says, I want you to go to Ahab and set up two altars and prepare bulls for the altar and gather all of the prophets of Baal, 850 prophets, and cry out to Baal to, to, to basically consume your altar with fire. You do that, and then I'll do that with the Lord. And whatever God shows up, that's the one true God. So he tells all these 850 prophets, like, you guys go first. And so they cry out, they're calling out, they're dancing. They're like, God, come down. And, and they're, they're crying out to Baal and nothing's happening. Now, part of me likes Elijah because he's snarky. Got any smack talkers in the room? I just appreciate somebody who knows how to talk smack. I just like that. I know people that don't like that, but I do. Elijah talks smack to these guys. Look what he says. At noon, well, they're, like they're worshiping from like morning to noon. And at noon, Elijah begins to taunt them, talk smack, right? Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy, or maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping, sleeping and must be awakened. Like you get that, that tone? Like, I love it. He's got, he's got a backbone on him. And they keep worshiping. They keep trying to call down Baal to consume the altar and nothing happens. Now it's finally Elijah's turn. And Elijah goes, hey, why don't you fill up the altar with tons of water? Fill it three times. They fill it with water. They totally soak it. Like it's counterproductive if you want fire to consume an altar to fill it with water. And Elijah prays, and what is thought to be a lightning storm hits the altar, and the entire thing, all the water around it, everything is completely consumed, and everybody is in awe. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, the Lord is the one true God, not Baal. But the story goes on with Elijah, because remember the drought that they're in? He prays, and he prays, and he prays, and it starts raining. A three-year drought is completely gone because of Elijah's faithfulness to God. There's fire that consumes the altar. There's rain that ends the drought. But what's even more fascinating is almost a million people, a million Israelites turn back to the Lord. Like phenomenal story, right? Like that's a hero story, right? This is, this is Elijah's mountaintop experience. But I don't know if you've had mountaintop experiences, but sometimes what happens next is a completely different thing. What happens is Ahab goes back and tells his wife Jezebel what happened. And Jezebel like sends a messenger to tell Elijah, I'm gonna kill you. Like Jezebel is gonna come after Elijah within a day. Like she says, 
she's going to kill him. Now, just pause for a second. Elijah's been through this incredible journey. He's, like, he's been dependent on God for three to four years. He's, his prayer, God consumed an altar. His prayer, a, a drought ended. And, and then a million people are turning back to the Lord. Like, what's a, what's a petty threat? He's been threatened by Ahab for three years. But this is how Elijah responds. He freaks out. Says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a boom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under a bush and he fell asleep. Now, I, I read this story and I'm like, what just happened? The dude just had God show up in some amazing ways. Like, he just saw God firsthand, like change the course, the trajectory, the faith of a nation. He just saw God bring fire from the sky, bring rain from the sky. And now all of a sudden, Jezebel is threatening him and he freaks out, gets depressed and prays that he wants to die. You ever go through something like that? Where it's like, you've seen God show up in your life time and time and time again. You've seen him open doors You've seen him bring healing to your life in whatever way or relationally. Maybe it's a sickness, a disease. Like you, you've seen God show up, an open door, a, a new job. A, maybe he's brought and surrounded you with a group of people that you're just so grateful for. Or maybe you've experienced a mountaintop moment. And then one little thing goes wrong. One little challenge happens and all of a sudden you freak out and you're like, I want to throw in the towel. This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. God's not going to show up again. And you, you, you begin this downward spiral. Does that ever happen to you? It's happened to me. Where it's like, I take a step of faith and I see God show up and I take another step of faith and I see God show up and it's just this pattern of God's presence and provision in my life. But then all of a sudden, for some reason, there's a challenge that I'm faced with and all of a sudden I freak out and I think, not, not God, this is the time God's not gonna show up. We look at Elijah's situation and we recognize that when you're in a valley, it is so important to remember God's faithfulness. This is the first, this is the first thing for today, because I want to talk about like three different things that we, we, can, we can do when we're in a valley. The first one is when you're in a valley, remember God's faithfulness in your life. Look back. Remember what he's done. Remember how he showed up. Remember how he called you. Remember how he sustained you. Remember how he's been there for you all those years and continue to look back. I mean, this is God's calling to the people of Israel. He called them when they faced challenges or unknowns or giants. He called them to look back and reflect on the work that he already did in their life. And I, I, I read Elijah's story, and I'm like, for some hero of the faith, man, you're kind of like me. You struggle like I struggle. Like you, you don't have faith at some days, and I don't have faith some days. I, 
And this calling that we have to continually reflect on the way that he's been faithful in our life. I, th I think this develops trust. This is like a, a muscle to develop. It's a trust muscle. I don't think it just happens. I think it's, we have to continue to remember the ways that God has provided in our life, and that helps us develop trust in him so that when we face turbulence or challenge or uncertainty, we can trust that he'll be there for us moving forward. You with me? That was, what kind of clap? If you're gonna, if you're gonna clap for someone, there's like one happened and then another one, but that person was sleeping and then there's somebody else. If you're gonna clap, clap for God's faithfulness in your life. Yeah. It's the 4th of July, 4th of July weekend crowd, I, that's what it is. <laughs> So back to Elijah, he's at, he's at the lowest point in his life. He needs God to show up. Like, it's not like, I hope God shows up. Like, he is desperate. The dude wants to die. He's depressed. Like, he is just at a, at a low point. He's in a valley. Right after this mountaintop experience, man, he is in a valley. And what happens next is God sends a series, God sends an angel to comfort him and to nur like nourish him back to health. The angel shows up and it tells him to stand up and it tells him to eat and drink. And it he does this three times. And, and notice like the story, as the story goes, um, the angel doesn't show up and shame him for not having faith. The angel doesn't show up and be like, like, bro, you should have done better. You should have trusted, like, it doesn't shame him, doesn't even point out where he went wrong. It just nourishes him back to health. And so he gets back to health, and then he goes on this 40-day journey to a mountain called Horeb. And 1 Kings 19, 9 through 10 says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, and, he, and God said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, Man, I've been zealous. I've been passionate for the Lord God Almighty. But the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I, I think there's something here. Like, he's kind of complainy, you know? Like, he's, he's kind of griping, but I think there's something here that is incredibly important, and it's a way to pray. Sometimes we think when we pray, we talk to God, it has to be like beautiful and articulate and poetic and uplifting and positive and reverent. But he's basically saying, hey, I've been serving you for all these years. Like, where are you? I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. Did you know that it's okay to pray like that? You don't have to just pray out of reverence or beauty. Or, sometimes it's just like getting the emotion off your chest and being raw and honest and transparent with God about the disappointment that you might be feeling. And this is the second thing that we can do when we're in a valley season of our life. We can confess our discouragement. And that's okay. 
We confess our discouragement. Like maybe you've been following Jesus for years. Maybe you've been living by faith. Maybe you've been doing all these things, but it's gone wrong. Your expectations haven't been met and you're just tired and, and you reach a point in your life and you just cry out to God like, man, where are you? I thought you were gonna show up. I thought you were gonna be there for me. I thought it was gonna turn out different. I think of what King David wrote in the Psalms where he's writing and he's like, God, where are you? It feels like you're so far away. My enemies surround me. I, I'm gonna die. If you don't show up, I, I'm, I'm, there's gonna be nothing left. Like this, this kind of prayer, you find it in the Psalms all the time, but I don't think we pray this prayer enough, confessing our discouragement or our disappointment to God. Maybe sometimes we're discouraged or disappointed with ourselves. Maybe it's some sin or misstep or brokenness that's in our life. And maybe we're confessing that. I'm just saying like confession is important. Jesus's half brother, James wrote this. He said, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what does he say? It's almost like confession is part of the healing process. Confess your sins, confess your discouragement, confess your frustrations. Like, talk to God and let him know, man, you, you just, you need him to show up in your life. Maybe, and this has kind of been my journey, but maybe confession and just saying, like, God, where are you? maybe going down that path and expressing your concerns and frustrations to him, maybe about him, sometimes that exposes the lies that we believe. Like we've believed lies like I'm alone. There's nobody with me. God doesn't care about me. There's no hope. I can't trust him. And we catch ourselves in these lies and then the Holy Spirit speaks to us truths from God's word like no. You are a child of God. He is with you. He'll provide for you. And over and over, the, the lies that we build get dismantled when we confess. There's something about confession that helps us recognize, man, I've been, I've been believing lies for a long time. Are there any lies that you've believed when you're in valley seasons? So God tells Elijah, this is the third thing in the valley. Um, God tells Elijah, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus where when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Now, why this is important and it's significant is when we're in a valley season, God is calling us back to the work he's called us to every time. A lot of times when we're in a valley season, like Elijah, we want to throw in the towel, I'm done I'm discouraged. I've had too many broken relationships. Things haven't gone my way. My expectations haven't been met. I'm done. What is God calling Elijah to? 
continue to re-engage in the work. This is the third one. When you're in a valley, re-engage in God's work. The tendency we feel, the tendency that Elijah felt was to throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm, I've done all this. I'm the only prophet left. Now they're trying to kill me. Just take my life. But this is so important. Can we just put that up there one more time? When you're in a valley, re-engage in God's work. He, like the calling that he's continually given to you, he's not taking away. He's continually calling you. When you're in a valley, remember God's faithfulness. When you're in a valley, it's okay to confess your discouragement. And when you're in a valley, re-engage in the work that God has called you to. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I know it's hard. It's going to require faith. It's going to require you to trust him. But keep going, keep engaging in the work. And I don't know what that work is in your life. Maybe you're like a parent and you're like, I'm done with kids. All right, please re-engage in the work. <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe you're a teacher or, or you're in business and you're, you're figuring out a way to follow Jesus with your business. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what God has called you to. I don't know what relationships or people God has called you to care for or minister to, but continue the work that he's called you to do. Don't let the enemy frustrate you to the point where you throw in the towel and you say goodbye altogether. So I don't, I don't want this to just be words on a screen. I actually want to ask you to reflect on three questions that are related to those three things. And I'm just going to read these questions and I want you to just take a moment in the, in the quiet and just think about it from your perspective, your story, wherever you're coming from. The first one is this. This is about remembering God's faithfulness. How has God shown up for you in the past? Be specific with your thoughts. How has God shown up for you in the past? He's been faithful. Time and time again, he's been faithful. You can trust him. With whatever uncertainty, whatever challenge you're facing, you can trust that he hasn't left you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Second question that I want you to think about. What lies have you believed? Along the journey, in the valley seasons, what lies have you bought into? Lies that you're alone. Maybe it's, I'm different. Maybe it's, I'm worthless. I'm a failure. I'm not skilled or good enough. Maybe it's lies that God won't provide. Maybe it's lies that God doesn't care. I just want to tell you the truth. These are all from different passages of scripture. God is with me. I have infinite value. I have victory in Christ. God will provide and it'll be enough. 
and God loves you deeply. What lies have you believed? And third, if you're in a valley, I want you to think about this. How can you re-engage with what God is asking you to do? How can you re-engage? Not step back and throw in the towel. How do you just keep it up? Live by faith day after day. Maybe it's your calling. Maybe it's gifts or skills or abilities that he's given you. It's easy, man. It's easy to throw in the towel. It's probably easier to throw in the towel. Then you don't have to live by faith. But I'm telling you, remember God's faithfulness in your life. Confess your discouragement to him. And continue to re-engage, re-engage in the work that he's called you to. Lord, thank you that you are trustworthy. Lord, thank you that you're good, that you're faithful. Lord, thank you that your love never fails us. And when we go through turbulence in life or rocky seasons or whatever we face, Lord, thank you for not shaming us. Thank you for not coming down on us. Thank you for sending nourishment to help bring us back to health. Lord, we just, we're looking to you. And so help us, give us the strength that, man, sometimes we don't have, but give us the strength that we need to continue the work that you've called us to do as followers of Jesus in an open relationship with you where, where we can be honest about the things we're discouraged by and frustrated with. And Lord, in, in a, a relationship with you where we continually, continually look and see how you've been faithful in our past. We pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.